0: Hi, friends. Welcome to the FBC Tuttle podcast. Thanks for joining us this week. We are so glad you're here. Each week on our podcast, you'll hear messages from our pastor, Brother Marty Williams. If you'd like to join us for worship, we meet every Sunday at 1045 a.m. Central in Tuttle, Oklahoma, and online at fbctuttle.net. Now, let's get started. There are several passages in in Scripture that, um, I don't know, they've always been interesting. Uh, to me, and we know that they are true, and I pray that they're true in in your hearts. Before I'm going to put a few of them on the screen here and share share a little bit. Uh, just read them to you. Psalm one nineteen one o three says, "How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth." Speaking of the word of God in Job chapter twenty three, verse twelve. Job says, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Speaking of the word of God. In Psalm chapter 19, it says, The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. Yea, Fine, much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. And then probably one of my favorites, Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. Jeremiah says this, Your words were found, and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord of hosts. Have, have you ever wondered... As they they refer to the the Word of God, these Old Testament prophets, these Old Testament saints, as they they refer to the Word of God as, as sweeter than honey, as more to be desired than gold, words that were eaten and was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Have you ever wondered what were they reading? Surely they were not surely they were not reading of the uh, of the judgments of God. Surely they were reading of the promises of God. I know don't know for sure what all you might think of when it comes to comes to to the word of God, but probably oftentimes the promises of God. There, I brought this little book with me. It's called God's Promises for Your Every Need. I don't know; it's several hundred pages, just made up of scripture promises that can be read uh, according to various situations of life and and all of those kinds of things. And I, I want to I want to spend the next several weeks preaching to you about some of the promises of God. Certainly, am not going to preach all of the promises of God, but I do want to preach about some of them. I don't know what you think about when you think about the promises of God. Probably, probably His promise of eternal life. Right? John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall have eternal life. Promise of eternal life. Or maybe His uh, promise of protection and provision. Matthew chapter 6, right? Don't worry about your life. What you will eat, what you will wear for your heavenly father knows that you need these things amen his promise of protection and provision or or maybe even for some it's the it's the promise of heaven right john chapter 14 right i go to prepare a place for you amen amen promise of heaven so I'm going to spend a little bit of time preaching on some of the promises of God. And the first one that I want to preach on just a little bit, and it is, a, it is a topic that is vast and deep, and there's no way that it could be done proper justice. But it is the promise of grace. Promise of grace. word grace is used over 160 times in your Bibles beginning in the Old Testament early in the the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 6 verse 8 is its first use in the Bible, and it says this, But Noah found grace in the eyes of God. As the world was a sinful place, Noah was a follower of God. And because of that, and because of his obedience to God, the Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So what is, what is grace? What is grace? You know, it's been described lots and lots of different ways. You know, we've, we've probably, you've probably seen the acronym, G-R-A-C-E, God's Riches at Christ's Expense. We, uh, it, is, uh, it is God's Favor on whom he chooses, just his absolute favor, God's undeserved favor to mankind. One of the, uh, one of the definitions that, uh, that I kind of read about today and that I want to use today, and it goes with many of the songs that you were singing, is I want to define grace as God's provision. For our every need, when we need it. God's provision for our every need, when we need it. It is seen most fully in the, in the person of Jesus Christ. In John chapter, four, to John chapter 1, beginning in verse 14, John says, And the Word became flesh, and dwelt among us, And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And of His fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. It is because of grace that we can be saved from the consequences of our sin. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. We needed salvation. Grace, God's provision for our every need when we need it. But, But grace is far more than salvation. Our text for today is going to be in in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, well, I mean, a little bit of background on 2 Corinthians first. Paul Paul founded the the church at Corinth, but uh, but lately and after Paul left, false teachers had come into the church, and they they had pretty well convinced those in the church, that, that Paul's gospel was an, was an errant gospel. And in fact, that Paul was a false apostle of Jesus. And Paul, Paul wrote letters. He wrote, the, he wrote the, the book of 1 Corinthians. He wrote another letter that's called the harsh letter that we don't even know about. He sent Titus there to to kind of straighten him out, and Titus brought back word to Paul that that most of the church Paul has repented, most of them have repented, but not all of them, not all of them and uh, and and it is, and it is that it is in that environment that Paul writes this letter of 2 Corinthians. So it is a it is a defense of his apostleship, it is a defense of his gospel that he has been preaching. And and you know one of the one of the passages in it uh, I'm going to end up being in uh, in chapter 12 but a little earlier than that Paul Paul in talking about the suffering that he had endured for the sake of the gospel you probably remember it says I've been shipwrecked I've been stoned I've been uh, whipped with 39 lashes three times. And he, he goes through, all, I've been persecuted by Jews. I've been persecuted by Gentiles. And he went through all of these sufferings that, uh, that he had had and been through. By which, of course, the false apostles had been through none. So he was, using, he was, he was saying, I, I don't want to boast in these things. I want you to believe what I say because of what I say and how I live my life, not because of the experiences that I've had. But he said, although I don't want to, I will boast a little bit. Those are the things that I have been through. Those are the sufferings that I've been through for the sake of the gospel. He was doing it as a defense to his own apostleship to to show them the error of their ways in, in, in identifying and going with false apostles, that he was the was preaching to them the true word of God. And then we come to Second Corinthians chapter 12. I want to uh, read the first six verses and then speak for them in just a little bit. I'm going to focus the majority of my sermon on verses seven and following. Beginning in verse 1, it says, it is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. See, he's already talked about his sufferings. But he said, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. See, Paul Paul had had the book of Acts record six different visions that God gave Paul. beginning, Beginning with his conversion on the Damascus road. Paul's entire experience with, with the Lord Jesus has just been incredibly intimate and personal. Seeing visions from the Lord himself. You know, we, I mean, wouldn't you, wouldn't you, wouldn't you, wouldn't you like to see a vision from God? <laughs> I mean, you would, I mean, I would. I know you would, too. I mean, we have the Word of God, so God doesn't, does, doesn't have to speak in visions anymore, right? And we have the Word of God. But, but how powerful it would have been for Paul to say, let me tell you about my visions. How God has spoken to me in comparison to the false apostles, right? That said he wasn't real, that he wasn't a real deal. I I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a one was caught up to the third heaven. Paul begins speaking about himself in the third person. When he says he is speaking from a place of, of humility, He is speaking of himself as as one that has had the visions and had the revelations of the Lord. He said, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, 14 years ago from the time that this gospel was written would have been sometime between his time on the Damascus Road and really in the beginning of his ministry. It was a long time ago and he gives us no clue about it ever before even now, other than to say that he had it. In fact, he said, I don't even know if I literally went to the third heaven. And I've kind of described the third heaven to you before. The third heaven is the place where God dwells. It's been said that uh, that the birds fly in the first heaven, right? The planets are in space in the second heaven, and the throne of god is in the third heaven. And Paul says, I've been to the third heaven. I don't know. I don't know if I bodily actually went or not. It was so real I can't even tell you. In fact, he 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 says that twice whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I don't know. God knows. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven, and I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body. I don't know. God knows how he was caught up into paradise. You guys ever get confused about the difference between heaven and paradise? Right there, Paul uses them inexchangeably. Interchanges the two. Right? Don't get all wound up in what's paradise and what's heaven. Right? It's where the glory of God is. Amen? Amen? he says, he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. He said, I can't, even, I can't even tell you about it. But can I tell you something? This glimpse of heaven, I mean, I don't know, this vision of heaven, this transport to heaven, whatever it was, he said he didn't even know. Whatever it was, I suspect, is what gave Paul the ability to endure everything that he endured. Can you imagine going through 39 lashes five times? Being beaten, literally that means to be beaten within an inch of your life. Five times, can you imagine what the scars on his back looked like? For the sake of the gospel. But you know what? With a vision of heaven in his mind. Don't you know he'd have been willing to go through whatever. Amen. And if for no other reason. Paul is telling us this story now. So that we get that. So that we can, so that we can get that. He says, of such a one I will boast, yet not of myself, except, yet of myself I will not boast, except in my infirmities. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth. But I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. He says, don't. Don't believe me on the basis of what I've experienced. Because he knew that that experience that he had, that intimate time that he had with God, the word paradise literally means a walk in the garden. Right? As as Paul was transported in whatever fashion into heaven, he had an opportunity to, to walk with God, to see God. But he knew that can't be... That's not something I can explain to somebody. That's not something that can be verified or understood. So he said, so you just listen to my words and watch my life. And trust me because of that. Because what is observable. Because of what is readable. Understandable. Not what I tell you I might experience. And then he goes on in verse 7. And I and I gotta tell you, shouldn't Pastor might not should say this, but I've never liked this passage of Scripture. And Paul says, and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. So he says, unless I be exalted above others. To be exalted above others means to be lifted above other people. And he says, unless I be lifted above other people because of the abundance of these revelations. He says, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. The word thorn is actually the word stake. The picture that we ought to have is not something that just pricks us as a little bit uncomfortable, like a sticker in your shoe or or something hung up in your sock that's just a nuisance to you, but it's something that creates manifold pain and suffering. And it said, a thorn in the flesh was given to me and he tells us what it was. It was a messenger of Satan. A messenger of Satan. Messenger, most times in the Bible, you probably know, is, is translated angel, right? An angel of Satan. Well, what's an, what do we call an angel of Satan? A demon. That's all we call an angel of Satan. We call an angel of Satan a demon. So, a messenger of Satan was given to me to buffet me. To buffet means to beat with fists, right? Um, I was talking to Brenda, uh, you know, kind of about this a little bit earlier the week. She said, uh, I thought it was like, you know, buffering or something, you know, just a little pushback, you know, from the winds. No, that's not what it is. It's not a little pushback. This is to be beaten, and Paul says, this messenger of Satan that beat him, that beat him, was, was given to him. Was, was given to him. Verse 8 says, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Fervent prayer. And you've got to know, right, Paul was a warrior in prayer. Paul had raised people from the dead. Paul had healed people. Paul had had chains fall off of him in prison as a result of prayer. Paul knew how to pray. And it says three times that he pleaded with the Lord. To plead with the Lord. I mean, it's a continual thing. It's a continual begging. Lord, deliver me from this thing, right? And that it might depart from me. And he said to me, he being the Lord, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. My strength is made perfect in we- My grace is sufficient for you. I told you I don't like this passage. I don't like this passage because in, in, in my own life, I want the sufficiency, of the sufficiency of the Lord to be what Paul wanted the sufficiency of the Lord to be. Deliver me! Much the same way Jesus prayed in the garden, right? Take this cup from me. Isn't that the cry of our hearts when we pray? Most certainly it is. You know, I just, I, 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 I'm not real sure what all the Lord has laid on my heart or why to preach this message, other than as I look out, you know, on the congregation and I, and I, and I know what's going on in the lives of many folks, we pray for God to answer lots of prayers. You know, this morning it's heavy on my heart, the Garrett family riding the passing of Jim. And his son, Jake, is preparing to preach his funeral. I can't imagine how difficult that will be for, for Jake, Sarah's loss. And, 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 and that's, just the, that's just the most recent one. There's, there's many others that have experienced tremendous loss. There are those that are that are battling, battling through cancer and cancer treatments. There are those that don't know what's going. I mean, there's just there's all kinds of stuff that Caleb the Lord has allowed to be brought into our lives. Just like what he sang about, right? What was the, what was the name of that song? Whatever my God ordains is right. But you know what it's hard it may be right, but nonetheless it's hard and just like Paul, Paul prayed three times that it would depart from me. Lord take it away. And that's my heart too. that's what I want to happen. I want to take it away not only from me I want him to take it away from you. You know what I mean? Surely you do you have I mean you you have you have those that you are pleading with God on behalf of if not for yourself, right? But, but the amazing thing to me is how Paul accepted that word from God. Because you see, for, for, for the Lord to say to him, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, was saying, no, Paul, it's not going away. It's not going away. But my grace, my ability to meet your every need when you need it, is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in weakness. The Lord's grace equals strength. We need grace for every situation of life. What Paul thought he needed was not what God knew he needed. I would have said, God, I promise I won't be proud. God, I promise I won't exalt myself above other people. I promise that that because of these visions and because of this revelation from you, I won't pretend like I'm better than other people. I would have promised God about anything to be delivered from that stake in the flesh. But you see, God knew what Paul needed. God must have known that Paul had that tendency, perhaps, to be proud or boastful. We can't imagine that in Paul's life. But you know what? We do we trust God enough? Do we trust God enough to to just believe him in that? Look, look at look at what look at what Paul said, right? And yeah, I lost it. He said, I will very gladly... No, that's not it. I'm, I'm going to get there. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure... In infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I would have said, God, let me pray three more times. That's biblical, by the way. There is absolutely nothing wrong. It is perfectly biblical. For Paul to pray in the power of the Holy Spirit that God would take this away. Perfectly acceptable for me to pray for healing, for comfort, for all of those things that we pray for. Perfectly acceptable. Not only acceptable but encouraged by the word of God because we have a great God who answers prayer and has all powerful creator who can deliver, who can heal, who can comfort, who all of those things. So we are, we are encouraged and expected to, to pray for that. We are, we are encouraged and, and taught in the Word of God to resist the devil, to pray against the things of the devil, to rebuke the evil one. But you know what? The evil one, even, can be used of God for his purposes. I don't like that. That's what happened to Job, isn't it? what happened to Peter. Jesus told Peter, the devil has asked for permission to sift you, and I've granted that permission. So Peter went through it, Job went through it, Paul was going through it. So even though we are encouraged to pray against these things, to plead with the Lord for healing, to believe the Lord for healing, we also have to understand that sometimes God's going to say no. Because He knows what is best for us and what we really need. And you see, I think at times that when... When those things happen, when when we pray three times and, and we don't see an answer, right? We either keep praying for something that God's not going to do, which I don't, unless God speaks to me and tells me why He's not doing it. I mean, praise the Lord, Peter, I mean, Paul at least knew, right? Yeah, no, Paul, ain't going to happen. But my grace is sufficient for you. We don't know. But do we trust God enough to be like Paul where he says, I take, therefore I take pleasure in my infirmities, in my reproaches, in needs, in persecution, in distresses. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, what, what Paul come to know was that when, Je- when Jesus promised that his grace was sufficient, Paul come to understand that it was during that time that he needed the grace of God in his life to to endure whatever this was. And by the way, we don't have any idea what this was. This thorn, this stake, this painful whatever it was. I mean, people have speculated, right, that it's somebody that is persecuting him. They speculate that it is his poor eyesight or that he has migraine headaches or any numbers of things can be speculated about what this messenger of Satan was that God allowed into Paul's life in order to keep him humble. we don't know what it was. And you know what? I, I think we don't know what it was because all of us at times are going to have those similar kinds of things. And, and if we knew exactly what it was, then maybe maybe it wouldn't be for us. But you know it is for us. You know, one of the things that that I think about, and I almost read the verse to you a minute ago, right? We have no idea what that, what that thorn or that stake or whatever that thing that caused great pain to Paul was. I think very likely it could have been the situation with the Corinthian church. Paul loved these people. He had began this church. He won them to the Lord. They were following the Lord, and now they are following false apostles. Even walking away from his very authority as a messenger of Christ. And in verse 15 of chapter 12, Paul tells them, I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. Can you imagine the heartbreak in Paul to feel that way? The more I love you, the less I am loved. I think it's likely that this stake that it was in his heart that was hurting him so badly could have been just the wrong that he felt by people turning away from him. But you know what? At times all of us are going to feel that, aren't we? You know, the very family and friends that are so dear to us sometimes can hurt us. The things that that afflict our lives, whether it be disease or sickness or, I mean, let's face it, just getting old. You know, I had a conversation with a man last night at Dylan Ruth's wedding that just said, you know, I'm, I'm struggling. You know, I'm getting old. I can't do what I want to do and what I need to do. It's like, well, is there something wrong? It's like, yeah, I'm 86. Hey, I'm serious. A lot of us in this room can recognize that we can't do the things we used to do. And we want to. And we try to. And we can't. And it's not our fault. And it's not God's fault. It's just a fact of living in a sinful world. But you know what Jesus says? He says, my grace is sufficient for you. I will meet every need you have when you need it. And we have lots of needs, don't we? We want want God to meet them all for us by answered prayer. And we pray fervently because we know, just like what James says, right? The faithful, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. May we not be a people to let down in our prayer and our intercession for others. May we not be a people that that don't continue to stand in faith, trusting in, what, in the Word and the power of God to make a difference in our lives. But we also must understand that His grace is sufficient, whatever we might be going through. And sometimes, we don't like it. But Paul said, in my weakness, am I most strong? You know, I think that Couple of passages that that uh, that come to mind. First Chronicles sixteen, verse eleven. Seek the Lord and His strength. See, strength is virtually the same thing as grace, <laughs> right? I mean, that's that's what that's what uh, that that's what that passage uh, basically you know basically said, right? I boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I take pleasure in my infirmities and reproaches, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Grace equals the strength of God. First Chronicles sixteen, eleven says, Seek the Lord and his strength. And then it says this, seek his face forevermore told you a week or two ago that i believe that the face of god represents the very presence of god and i think that's the reason that paul said that i can stand in his strength because when i'm going through this stuff i am in his presence first peter 5 6 and 7 says therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of god that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him. There are many of you that are undergoing stuff, different stuff, stuff that you might understand, stuff you might not understand. If you're not undergoing it now, you will. You will. No need to worry about it. But you will. And Jesus says, My grace is sufficient for you. Do you know the grace of God? Have you, have you in faith committed your life to Him? That's, that's the ultimate grace. Come on. The ultimate grace is trusting in Christ for salvation. For by grace... You're saved through faith. amen. I, I hope that you know the grace of God in salvation. If you don't, today can be the day of salvation for you. For the Lord calls you to be saved, to give your life to him, to commit to him. But then secondly, right is are you allowing? Are you trusting in the grace of God? Are you, are you, do you know and do you trust in the grace of God to make provision for your every need when you need it? Not when you want it, but when you need it. I think it's a lesson that all the children of God can learn better. His grace is sufficient for us. Hey friends, before you go, if you have a prayer request, we invite you to send us an email at prayforyou at That's P-R-A-Y, the number four, Y-O-U at att.net. Or call the church office at 405-381-2492. If you'd like to learn more about our children's, youth, men's, women's, or senior adult ministries, visit our website at fbctuttle.net. Thanks again for joining us today. We love you and we hope you have a blessed week.